Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. Shannon and I are a married pair of working artists. And this podcast is our weekly date for getting on microphones and talking with one another and with you about what's mattering to us this week. We're so glad you're here. And hi, Shannon. Hello. Hi. Uh, shall we start with some announcements, announcements, announcements? Yeah? Uh-huh. Do you have any? Do you like my unison vocal? I did. That was great. Thanks. I do. I just have one. It's a perennial. Good to me. Shannon's new album is out in the world. People, it's so good. Have you heard it yet? <laughs> I know you've heard us talking about it, but have you actually made time to listen to it? <gasps> have you? We would really love that. I mean, the whole reason that we take all the time we do making these albums is because- It's for you. It's for you. It's not for us. It's for you. Yeah, we're done so, with it. It's for us when we're making it, and as soon as we put it out, it's no longer ours and it's yours. That's right. And literally, all you have to do is just push a button on your phone and listen, and just sit back, ah, taking some ideas and music. Yeah, it'll probably get you dancing a little bit. We were dancing in the kitchen to it earlier today. It came on the radio, and we're like, "Hey, look, it's our song on the radio." And we yeah, dancing around. Dance party. Hey, so, are you going to put a link uh, to where they can listen in the show notes? Yeah, I will. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I an announcement. Oh, what is it? Uh, uh, just less than a week from now, uh-huh. Tuesday, January 31st, mm-hmm. is the official launch date for our Good To Me book. Yeah. Yes, there's a book that goes along with the album. Why write a book, you might ask? Well, uh, it has to do with my mission statement, like Jerry Maguire had a mission statement, you know? Yeah. I have a mission statement also. Okay. Uh I'm not going to go crazy like Jerry Maguire. At least I hope not, knock on wood. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, tra- tracking down my mission statement. That yeah. was such a great movie. Yeah. But my mission statement as an artist is that, like, what I want to do is is everything I do, I, I aim to make stuff, make art that creates opportunities that, that people can use to make deeper connections with themselves and with each other. Mm. And so when I started the the sort of personal introspection journey that became the songs on this new album, Good To Me, mm-hmm. last year, uh, it became really clear to me that I wanted to share that experience with my community because it really was, it was really an experience that helped me get in deeper connection with myself in some really important sort of essential ways. Mm. And I, I wanted to offer that to people if they need that experience for themselves. And that's what's in the book. It's like a deeper dive into all the stuff that that resulted in the in the songs on this album. Uh, it's like the essays that are in this book are drawn from my like handwritten journal. So like I had to decipher my scribbles and pencil yeah. in my journal. To type it all back in. <laughs> and type it up and, and also, you know, formalize some stuff too because sometimes my journal is like, what, what? Uh, so I made it so that anyone could understand it. Um, but like it was, it's just a it's a it's a peek into my own process of grappling with the stuff that was keeping me from being in touch with my own sense of personal peace and power mm. in this time that we're living in, which is so turbulent and hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It worked. Guess <laughs> like, what? The, the spoiler process, alert for the book: it works. The, the process actually worked for me. Can you and, do spoilers for a nonfiction work? I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure. But but it worked for me. And I wanted to share it with y'all in as depth as in, in as deep a way as I could. And so that's what the book is. The journal prompts that I gave myself to kick this whole thing off are also in the book. And they're not specific to 
the kind of difficulties that I felt that I was facing last year when I started this journey. They're really widely applicable to like any anything that might be robbing you of your peace right now. Yeah. Like the journal prompts will apply to whatever it is that you're grappling with, whatever it is that might be keeping you up at night uh, and and making you feel less connected to your inner peace and your personal sense of power than you would like. Your serenity. Yeah. 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 It's like a personal wellness journey. It is. That anyone can undertake. Yeah. And there are journal prompts so that they can write their own journal essays yeah, yeah. about what's going on inside of them in a directed kind of way. Yeah. And it's iterative, right? So there's 10 chapters. Mm-hmm. It's like one per song, mm-hmm. right? It maps to the album in that mm-hmm. way. And each chapter has a few journal prompts relating to that step in the yes. journey. It's like a 10-step journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and spoiler alert, it's a little bit related to a journey with a different number of steps <laughs> that both Shannon and I have undertaken in our lives. It's sort of a spin on that, right? It's yeah. like a different take on that kind of personal recovery, leveling up, emotional well-being journey. Self-healing. Self-healing. Yeah. And guess what? What? On launch day, uh-huh. on our official launch day, we're yeah. kicking off next Tuesday with uh, the first of eight, of 10 days, nights, I guess, yeah. evenings. If Well, it depends on where you are in the world. It yeah. could be the middle of the night. But we're going to be doing it at 7 p.m. Pacific time every night starting Tuesday, January 31st for 10 nights. Mm-hmm. We're having an online Facebook and Instagram live book club. Yeah. So what we're going to be doing is uh, each night, Jamie and I are going to be reading a chapter from the book. And as we work our way through the chapter, we'll pause and pose questions to the people who are watching. We'll read your your answers, your ideas, your thoughts in the comments. We'll yeah. have it'll be an interactive experience on Facebook and Instagram Live. Uh, one chapter each night um, for ten nights. Starting, so we'll read it to you, and we'll pause here and there. We'll yeah. pose you questions along the way. We'll take your comments and thoughts. It'll all just be really nice and free flowing and interactive. I can't We're wait. We're guessing it's going to be like a half an hour each evening. Yeah. Just a nice little slice of time. Just a short little thing. Us hanging out with you, getting some good ideas, talking about them together. Yeah. And if you want to get a copy of the book, you can already order it now. I'll and put we'll- a link for that in the show notes. Excellent. Thank but you. But you can just go onto Amazon and just do an Amazon search sure. for Good to Me and the book will come right up. That's right. Excellent. So that's all the announcements I have. Okay. Uh, how are you feeling today? Thanks for asking. You know, today I'm feeling clear-headed and purposeful. That's great. It is good. I'm so glad to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just in a space right now where both of us, I think, are just really firing on all cylinders. We're in sync. Mm-hmm. Everything seems like it's going just full steam ahead. Mm. And I'm happy about that. That's great. How are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling... Partly that, Mm -hmm. that you were just describing. Um, I think what you just said is true. Mm -hmm. And also, (laughs) I feel, what I'm feeling is that I'm kind of on this razor's edge right now between those feelings you were just saying, like sort of a groundedness in like what what we're doing and, you know, all Uh that. And the other side of the razor's edge is is sort of anxiety. Mm. Do you want to talk more about that? Yeah, so it's, it's... (sighs) There's good stress and bad stress, right? Yep. <laughs> like, we got some encouraging, there were some encouraging developments over the last few days, and we'll be talking more about those specifically in the coming days and weeks ahead. Um, sorry about the vague booking, but that's just what it has to be right now. And, like, in the moment, getting, like, these encouraging developments, I was like, this feels great. This is awesome. This is really good. And then, like, the next moment, 
is like, oh shit, you know, and and do and you, it's, can you get at why? Yeah, I am. I'm I'm going there. Uh, the oh shitness comes from, uh, it's it's like a okay, this is great news, and also th- there's always going to be for me when when something good happens thoughts that come into my mind that are kind of like that that idea about foreboding joy that like when you experience joy then like the next thought can sometimes be oh well, when's this going to go away or when's the other shoe going to drop or you know mm. all that kind of stuff which i i have i've learned how to recognize that mm-hmm. so i can like accept that that thought has come into my mind and then let it go and mm-hmm. choose what to do with it you know but also you know we're we're going after some big stuff this year mm-hmm. in ways that we haven't really before in our music career. Yeah. And it's fun to see like developments happening toward those things, but then the anxiety also kicks in in terms of like, oh, but now I've got to execute. And so th- there's, you know, there's those ugly like self-doubt thoughts that want to intrude on mm-hmm. my joy. <laughs> you know, there's, there's the, can I actually pull this off? Am I actually good enough? Mm. You know, and I, I know that those thoughts are by and large not true. Like mm-hmm. I know that, but that isn't, it doesn't negate the fact that the that feelings are feelings and they feel real. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So where I'm at on that razor's edge, and the reason that I kind of like talk about it being on a razor's edge is that I'm I'm having to focus really hard right now on presence. Like that's one of the things that I think is sort of an antidote to mm. this this sort of ambivalent feeling for me is like, just focus on what's real in this present moment. That's really helpful. Mm-hmm. And also really focusing on staying in gratitude. Mm-hmm. Those two things are kind of like what I'm, that's what I'm placing my energy in when those anxious thoughts want to pop up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, uh, so the, yeah, that's where I'm at. It's okay. Like I, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of a balancing act mm. right now um, with my inner life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all right, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, in the spirit of focusing on the good right now, okay. how about we fire up the good news machine? That's a great idea. What you got? Um, so you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually like ask you about this because oh. you told me the other day, uh, we were sitting around at breakfast or something and you're like, oh, hey, good news. The You know how like epidemiologists had been predicting that there was going to be this massive triple-demic this winter yeah. with COVID and flu and RSV. Yeah. And you told me that that is either waning or maybe not materializing in as severe a way yeah. as they thought it might. Yep. Can you tell me more? Oh, man, you bet I can. Okay. So there is a, a very helpful article in the Washington Post just from a couple of days ago about it, and I have just excerpted a couple little bits that sort of tell the narrative, okay? Okay. So... Uh, so here's the deal. Uh, so first of all, like you said, yeah, the triple-demic is not materializing. That's great. It's really great. The RSV wave has receded in uh, across the entire country. Excellent. Flu cases have rapidly dwindled. COVID hospitalizations did rise briefly after Christmas. Everyone was kind of on edge, but they just fell again. They totally awesome. fell again. Hospitals are seeing the normal amount of busy for this time of year, not the very busy that they thought we would see. Wow. Early waves of RSV and flu peaked before the new year, according to new data from the CDC. Okay. And the expected winter uptick of coronavirus is nowhere close to overwhelming hospitals like it did in 2021. You guys remember 2021. It was just so scary. Disaster. The seven-day national average of hospital patients testing positive for coronavirus has declined to 39,000 
As of Friday, seven-day national average, it peaked at 47,000 around January 10. Because obviously it's offset from the holidays because mm, everyone right, hangs out over the holidays, gives each other COVID, right? right. COVID-19 patients are occupying just 5% of hospital beds compared with 21% at this point last year. That's also according to CDC wow. data. Weekly ER visits for all three viruses combined peaked in early December with no post-holiday resurgence also including to, uh, according to CDC data. And for senior citizens, COVID and flu emergency room visits peaked in late December. And so uh, they have a graph in this article. And when you look at the graph for this thing, uh, for what, well, there's two things. First of all, it's a graph that has like a very alarming, very sharp up thing, mm-hmm. right? It was centered around Christmas. It goes equally sharply back down to the same level that it was at before. Oh, wow. So it's not like it's partly down. It's all the way down already, right? And when you look at this graph and you look at what was really bad in December, it was flu, not COVID. COVID only got to 75% of the summer wave back in August over the holidays. Wow. So remember, we had sort of like a little wave back in August. It wasn't a huge wave, but it was kind of a wave. We didn't even reach 100% of that. It was like about 75% of that in terms of case numbers. Uh, And there were nearly twice as many cases of flu as of COVID Mm. over the holidays. Mm -hmm. Like COVID just did not turn into this big, scary thing. And RSV backed off, flu backed off too. It's just kind of chill out there right now. I am so happy to hear that. What a relief. It is. Yeah. Here's hoping that 2023 is the year that we actually emerge from this. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You Fingers know, crossed. Back in the very, very first days of the pandemic, when we were all reading and learning as much as we could about <laughs> pandemics and how that all worked, remember all that? Like being back in school, but like a really dystopian, shitty version yes. of school. Man. So one of the things that I learned... Uh, Way back to like March, April, 2020. That's right. One of the things I took away with me was that historically speaking, going back through, back through the decades, uh, pandemics tend to last, the main part of the pandemic tends to last right about three years, 36 months, right? (laughs) And really like we're about three months out from that right now, two and a half, three months out from that 36 month marker. So maybe... Fingers crossed. You never know what's going to happen in the future, yeah. right? I mean, there could be little bubbles. There could be hiccups. It's not going to obviously be linear right. or smooth. Nothing like this is ever linear. And it doesn't for sure feel smooth right. in the moment to people who are still dealing with it and still making risk calculations yeah. and all oh, of yeah. that. You know, it's still stressful. But we could theoretically be approaching the end of kind of the main bad part of this <sighs> thing. Because you got to remember, like, what we consider flu now, like five years ago, if you got the flu, that is mostly... The 1918 flu pandemic, pan- pandemic flu. flu. Yeah. And it's just part of what's out there now. It's just part of the soup. It's part of the stew, right. you know? Right. And, you know, you might get that strain. You might get a different strain. There are multiple strains in circulation right. around the world every year, you know? It's just kind of like luck of the draw, which one becomes dominant any given flu season. Well, and I saw in the news just the other day, I believe it was the FDA that is about to issue guidance that they think that maybe what the, what's, what's going to be good for us going forward is to have like a a fall COVID booster shot every yeah. year, like we do with flu yeah. flu shots every year. Got to they'll, imagine they'll they might guess, even roll it in. They'll guess like um, like what the what they think that the major strain is going to be for that year, and then boost us all uh, against that in mm-hmm. advance. So this might just become part of the landscape. Well, I'm just it's great news to hear that. Like I remember, I remember when you were reading three years ago that like pandemics lasted. 
roughly three years, and I was not ready to take that information on board. No. I mean, that, that was, that, remember the days? that's a thousand days, and no. we were two days in. Oh, yeah, I know. Remember remember the days when people were like, well, we'll just stay home for two weeks, and this will be over. Right? <laughs> you know, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. La, 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 la. Uh-huh. I mean, I was participating in a lot of the plug my ears and sing la, 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 too, because it was so hard to think about how long of a marathon this might actually turn out to be. Yep. But wow, like we are maybe, maybe these are signs that we are coming to the end. Maybe so, at least of this first worst part. Yeah. And it's just going to become part of what's out there, you know? Yeah. That's just how that works. It's still a risk, right? Like I still don't really, I don't want to get COVID. Like I, I, I know people who have long COVID. Yeah. And it's, debilitating yeah. it can be you yep. know and i it's not something that i want like they they have you know begun research on you know folks who have had covid and had long covid and you know are experiencing things like greater heart disease risk and strokes and other organ problems yeah. that may be, may be related to a lingering COVID infection. Um, and, you know, I don't want that. Like, I, and there's a lot of people who getting COVID right now would be, would be deadly to them because of their, you know, yeah. medical condition yeah. or whatever. So like, it's still a serious thing, right? Like, and I'm not like, I'm not like, I'm not like dismissing that. I'm not like, oh good, that's over. Now I'm going to go out and resume, you know, everything the way I used to. No, I'm still going to be taking precautions yeah. that need to be taken. But yep. like, it's a great feeling to think maybe yeah. we are on the down downward edge of this whole it's thing. It's very, very encouraging. Yeah. Right on. All right, people. Hey, so, you know, stay safe. Keep masking when it's appropriate. Make sure you have your personal space around you. Don't get too close. That new variant that's kind of sweeping across the country right now, like it's just quietly taking over as the dominant strain from the previous strain that was dominant. And the reason it's doing that is because it's really, really, really catchy. Like you can just be within a couple feet of somebody who has it. They might not even know they have it. They they might be pre-symptomatic. You might be in their physical space for 10 seconds and that could be enough to get your own little case. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So make sure you maintain that personal space around you at the grocery. If the line is tight when you go to check out, put the mask on. That's kind of how we do it. We we walk around in Target or Fred Meyer or whatever. As long as we can like stay away from other humans and and move quickly and not stay in one place. And hey, for some people, masking entirely in public spaces is still the right thing to do. Gotta do it. Yeah, you make make good decisions for yourself. That's That's it. But you know, uh, be cheered. Yeah. All right, so... uh, Let's get, let's done. Class, anyone, anyone? Let's. Okay, so I, I stumbled upon this post on Mastodon this week, and it was just so interesting to me. Um, it's just an interesting way to get a, a, a different kind of perspective on the population of the world mm. and, and the makeup of us folks who live here. Um, and it was a link to this website called 100people.org. Uh-huh. Um, and it's this website sort of organizes organizes data about the world population um, and puts them puts it in like the form of like if the world were 100 people yeah here's how many people would be and yeah. fill in the blank of various categories right and you have like your little 10 by 10 grid and you can color yeah. in different colors I imagine it's real easy to visualize really easy way to just yeah to, to understand to get a, a handle on a mental handle on like what the who, well, who we are here yeah. on planet Earth. Yeah. So this is based on 2016 data. So it's a little bit old, but I still thought that it was uh, it was super interesting. Mm-hmm. So if the world were 100 people, mm-hmm. 50 would be female and 50 would be male. Mm-hmm. Okay, 25 would be children. Mm-hmm. There would be 75 adults, mm-hmm. nine of whom would be 65 years or older. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would be 60 
out of 100, if the world were 100 people, there would be 60 Asians, mm -hmm. 16 Africans, mm -hmm. 14 people from the Americas, mm -hmm. and 10 Europeans. And I imagine that when they say Europeans, they're talking also about people like you and me, white people. No, we're in the Americas. Oh, are we? So they're not, they're not talking about native I don't think that they're talking about continents. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay, got it. Okay. Yep. Uh, so, uh, so how, well, what was uh, America's again? The America's was 14 people. And so is that North and South America? I think that's probably what they're getting at. Got it. Yeah. Um, there would be 13 Christians. Uh-huh. Excuse me. 31, I read those numbers backwards. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, 31 Christians, okay. 23 Muslims, uh -huh. 16 people who would not be aligned with any religion, mm -hmm. 15 Hindus, mm -hmm. 7 Buddhists, and 8 people who practice other religions. Okay. Interesting. This is about, this next section is language. Uh-huh. Fascinating. Out of, if the world were 100 people, 12 would speak, would you want to guess what would 12 of those people speak? It's the highest number. 12 of those people, I am guessing, would probably speak Chinese. You are correct. 12 would speak Chinese. Six would speak... Let me guess. Okay. Arabic? Spanish. Spanish, okay. Five would speak English. Four would speak Hindi. Three would speak Arabic. Three would speak Bengali. Three would speak Portuguese. Two would speak Russian, two would speak Japanese, and 60 would speak other languages. Whoa. There are so many languages. There are it's so many. so cool. Yeah. Um, if the world were 100 people, 86 of those 100 people would be able to read and write, and 14 would not. Wow. That and, feels and actually kind of maybe higher than I would have expected, that number, the yeah. reading and writing. Also, uh, the, the number of people who can't read functionally, in the, the, the number of people in the United States who are functionally illiterate, uh -huh. it, the percentage is wildly greater than the world really? average. It's like 40% it's like here in America oh my gosh, of adults. Really? Yeah. I wonder, I don't know how they measure able to read and write. Uh, that could be different than functionally literate too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the standards could be- Lower. Different, yeah. Yeah, like so, they can recognize a few words maybe or- yeah, who knows? I'm who not knows? I'm not sure the exact standard, but hmm. we're just this is a nice little thought thought experiment here. Uh if a hundred if the world were a hundred people, uh seven people would have a college degree. Mm -hmm. Forty would have an internet connection. Whoa. <laughs> um I mean, honestly, that's like almost like saying that forty percent have running water. Well, it's wild we're getting to, me. to that. Uh, <laughs> if the world were 100 people, 78 people would have a place to shelter them from the wind and the rain, but <sighs> 22 would not. What the hell? Right? 22% of the world? Uh-huh. That's bonkers. Don't have shelter from wind and rain. That's like 1.5 billion people. Yeah. Living outdoors. Right. What on earth? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I mean, it, it really helps put some stuff in perspective, right? Yeah. Do you have more? Uh, I have a couple more. Yeah. One, if the world were 100 people, one would be dying of starvation. Hmm. 11 would be undernourished. Hmm. 22 would be overweight. Huh. Uh, and the last, the last section is, is the drinking water part you were talking about. If the world were 100 people, 91 people would have access to safe drinking water and nine people would have no clean, safe drinking water to drink. 
Wow, that's wild. The most basic of needs mm -hmm. and nearly one in 10 people don't have it. Yeah. Just crazy, right? crazy, yeah. But isn't that an interesting, like it just, it was interesting to me to think about the world. I, it's so easy to get so uh, wrapped up in the idea that the world right in front of us is the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it is, and certainly America has a very America-centric yeah. view, right? Uh, but gosh, it is so much bigger and... Um, it's it was great. It was it was it was just neat for me to to kind of take a wider view. You know what my biggest takeaway is from what this? Is it? What? How much more successful Spain was at empire building than England? What do you mean? Oh, because of the languages? Yeah. <laughs> you always yeah. hear like the sun never sets on the British Empire. That's just good PR. It's good propaganda. The sun really never sets on the Spanish Empire. Right. No kidding. Huh. No kidding. So interesting. Yeah. Well, I feel a little bit less dumb. Maybe you do too. Oh, well, much less dumb, yeah. Yeah. All right, listen. This feels important. It's all for a very important message. Yeah, this is important. I, yeah. Wow, it's an ugh. This it feels is important. an ugh, yeah. It is, the, 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 it feels important to talk about the ways in which Florida is going full-on authoritarian. Like, yeah. it's astounding. Mm -hmm. And I want to be really careful as we talk about this because... I don't want to talk about this. This is going back to, to our discussion last week when we were talking about schemas mm -hmm. and how like the idea of like how we talk about people or movements or whatever like really sets the frame for, yeah. for how things actually end up going. Yeah. <laughs> right? I don't want to talk about Florida and the leadership there as this big scary thing. Yeah. Okay? Because that feeds the narrative that benefits authoritarians. Right. We're not going to do that. No. Nope. We're going to talk about Florida and the leadership there as being puny, small-minded, scared little shits who are trying to impose their will on everybody else because they're so freaking insecure yeah, they're and ass losers. asshole, needle dick losers. Yes, that's yeah. the frame, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Including the women. Women can be needle dicks too. <laughs> sure, it's metaphorical. Yeah. So here's the thing. Like... <sighs> Yeah, the governor there, Ron DeSantis, mm -hmm. and the reason it's important to talk about it, he and he really is the the flag bearer for all of the shit that's going down there. Yeah, it's important to talk about it because we can't write Florida off and we can't write him off as a person because Ron DeSantis is uh, for a lot of Republicans the person that they are if they're sick of Trump and all of his antics and legal problems yep. <laughs> that they're looking to Ron DeSantis as maybe the the new MAGA standard bearer. For sure. Right? And, and he, of course, Ron DeSantis is going to come out with like a MAGA hat because he's also trying to sideline Trump so he can ascend to power, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, but, but it's the, all the same, uh, you know, horrible policies that tap into people's fear of change and fear of losing their station in society because of those immigrants and all the race like it taps into all the worst the the worst impulses yeah. of white americans yep he's doing that yeah. and he's doing that effectively and he's and he's putting policies in place in florida that are like wait what yeah. like if you were to put a date on these news stories that was in the 1930s this would be shit that was happening in Nazi Germany yeah. as Hitler was coming to power, as yep. the Nazis were coming to power. We're talking book banning. We're talking uh, banning the 
banning speech about certain things in schools. Like you it's, can't talk about black people in schools in Florida anymore. Right. I have a list. Yeah. We can go through them. So the article that I first saw um, last week uh, was talking about how, and then I, there were subsequent ones that I that I followed, but it was talking about how um, one of the things that they're doing. Uh, the the, gov- the the Florida state government is doing is they're asking state universities, mm-hmm. so people, so like state-run universities, mm-hmm. they're asking those universities to provide the the state government with the numbers and ages of their students who sought or received gender dysphoria treatment, mm. including sex reassignment surgery and hormone prescriptions. So mm. like they want information about students' health records who came seeking medical help. Uh, related to their gender issues. Mm-hmm. Um, the article did say that the, the survey instructed universities not to give private information, like identifying information. Mm-hmm. But like... <sighs> you know what's coming. <laughs> this is not... This is the same thing that they've done in Texas. Identify them first, broadly in the aggregate. Right. And then identify them subsequently, specifically, and target them. Right. Well, this, is, this is a known playbook. It's not a mystery how this is going to go down right. there. Right. They are, this is, it's, it's horrible. Uh, it's sim- the survey is similar to one that DeSantis is forcing state universities to complete regarding um, how much they spend on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm and on critical race theory programs. Mm-hmm. Like Which they're wanting- is just Republican shorthand for talking about racism. Yes. Yeah. So like they're, they're wanting people to, they're, they're forcing the state institutions to identify, you know, these things. With an, I mean, it's clear. They want to cut funding for those things. They want to identify people who are, who are not towing the state line mm-hmm. on these issues the way that the state wants them to mm-hmm. and target them. Like there's, there's, that's, that's what's coming, right? Um, other discriminatory policies include um, banning, they've, they've already banned instruction on sexual and gender identity in early grades, in mm-hmm. early education. So like you can't, as a, as a teacher in like elementary school, you can't talk about the fact that somebody has two moms. Yeah. And you know- <laughs> If they like- And you can't even talk about the idea that gender is more complicated than a simple binary. Like, there's, there are levels of instruction that are appropriate, more appropriate for older people and more appropriate for littler people. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think, pretty important to at least just, just plant a seed when little kids are young just to normalize the idea that this is a thing that people talk about, this is a thing that people sometimes need to figure out for themselves, well, and that it's normal and not weird or shameful or scary. Here's the you thing. don't have to get a lot deeper with it than that when someone is seven years old and in second grade, but it's probably a pretty good idea just to at least not have it be some weird thing that you don't talk about because weird things that you don't talk about, little people are smart and they pick up on the idea that like, other people talk about it. They don't talk about it at school. It must be shameful. Right. Oh, at 100%. And here's the thing. Gender is talked about all the time in public schools. Right. Like, if you use if you use someone's pronouns and their pronouns are he, him, or she, No big she, deal, her, yeah. Th- then, the, yeah, like, like, it's, gender is a thing. It's, 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 so they're excluding speech about specific, specific genders or specific gender identity conversations it's it's discriminatory. Yeah. Like it, it, it's you know it's it's not like one would imagine that on its face this would violate the equal protection clause in the Constitution. You would think. You would think. One would think. <laughs> so um, there's all they also uh, uh, university presidents um, 
the state university presidents voted to support DeSantis's quote, anti-woke agenda to reject, quote, the progressivist higher education indoctrination agenda <laughs> while committing to, quote, removing all woke positions and ideologies by February 1st, 2023. <laughs> that was a, from a state education department news release. Um, so like, and it's just so silly, like, Anti-woke. Okay, what is woke? Woke is stuff that makes Republicans uncomfortable. But it's so, like, this is a law, right? Like, Or it's a, it's a policy. Yeah. That, that well, and that's that's what, I know you're laughing right now, but that's what, exactly why this is so scary. Yeah. Because it's taking stuff that makes conservative people uncomfortable, and it's enshrining it into law so that what makes them comfortable is law and what makes them uncomfortable is against the law. Right. Which is a terrifying place for law to go. Again, we can't talk about it. It is terrifying, right? But like, let's talk about the frame of it being just pathetic because that's honestly what it is. Like, this is an ideology that Ron DeSantis is carrying out in Florida that's based in total insecurity. It's, it's, It's somebody who's trying to be a control freak to control the way the world is because they're so insecure yeah. in themselves and in the sense that they could just be, the, that humanity is bigger than this vision that they have. They're so insecure about the possibilities that we all bring to the table that they have to control everybody else around them to make themselves feel okay. Also, Are I'm you not- okay, little person? I'm not under any kind of delusion that Ron DeSantis personally cares or believes, cares about or believes in any of this stuff at all. I believe that he's a shrewd, calculating person. He's an opportunist. And he understands that this is a way to motivate bigots. And bigots are his base. And bigots are how he is rising to power. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there are a number of positions that he has held completely contrary views to as recently as a couple years ago. Mm. You know, I mean, and has just changed him because that's the way the winds are blowing right now. You know, which is also super dangerous. Like when people are not principled, but are instead opportunists. Motivated entirely by power. It means that they're not leading from a moral center. And when someone has discarded their morals, uh, bad things can happen. Yeah. Bad things can definitely happen. Okay. So I I just want to issue a challenge to all of us here. You and you and me here Mm. sitting across from each other and everybody who's listening that like, like Ron DeSantis is going to be a figure to be contended with in the next couple of years. Like he's probably, it's, it's likely that um, he'll be challenging Trump for the presidential nomination for the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. If, you know, Trump, here's hoping, <laughs> lands in jail or, you know, or, or something else derails his ambitions for running for president again, yeah. it's likely that Ron DeSantis will be the guy who takes the reins. Yep. Um, so the challenge I'm issuing to all of us right now is to start right now talking mm-hmm. about Ron DeSantis as the small-minded, scared loser that he is to everyone, everywhere that we can. Right. <laughs> like, that's how we talk about him from now on, okay? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's really sad because, like, it, it really is a small vision. It's a small vision of humanity, yeah. right? It is, it is... Humanity has so much more potential and possibility when all of us get to come and be who we are and learn about each other in all of our fullness. Like, yeah. that's not scary. Yeah. That's not scary. The people who are scared about that, about the way that the world has been changing, mm-hmm. just let it go, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's pathetic to hold on to what you think is like an old way of being that was somehow better than things are now. No, your memory is selective. You're remembering your your nostalgia in in faulty ways, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's and, and it's just we we have we, we're better than this. We can be better than this. Yeah, we can. We really can. So that's it. 
Right on. Well, okay, so fuck Ron DeSantis, <laughs> and let's move forward into the Inspiration Station. Inspiration Station. <laughs> yes, let's. Do you have an item for us? Oh, I sure do. Okay. It's just a little thing from my Rigpa glimpse of the day. Love that. Just a little bit of Zogchen, you know? Great. A little bit of Zen Buddhism. Um, it says this. Imagine a person who suddenly wakes up in the hospital after an automobile accident to find that she is suffering from total amnesia. Outwardly, everything is intact. She has the same face and form. Her senses in her mind are there, but she doesn't have any idea or any trace of a memory of who she really is. In exactly the same way, we cannot remember our true identity, our original nature. Frantically and in real dread, we mm. cast around and improvise another identity, one we clutch with all the desperation of someone falling continuously into an abyss. This false and ignorantly assumed identity mm. is ego. Ooh. Oh. oh. Right? I feel like I could have also heard that in our less get less dumb right? segment. Like, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great description. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Let's get less dumb. Let's get more zen. Let's get more zen. Yeah. <laughs> I have an item for this uh, segment as well. And this was uh, a, an Instagram post I saw um, by a person named Brianna Pastor. And Brianna says this. If anyone is magically going to appear and just suddenly make your life better, mm. just know that person is always going to be you. Aww. Well, you know, I just, it's something that I've been thinking, it, it really hit home to me today. Like I, I was talking earlier about how I was on that razor's edge of like anxiety and yeah. being grounded. Like sometimes for me, when good news comes or good developments come mm -hmm. my way, I think I feel sometimes tempted to slide into, oh, well, this thing that's happening is going to save me or mm -hmm. take me where I want to go. And that's, always a, a bad path to go on, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to center myself on the idea that like there isn't any savior on the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a song lyric you might have heard if you listened to our record that, that it's always going to be up to me yeah. to direct uh, my life. Mm -hmm. And it's just good to, to kind of come back to that idea. I love it. Yeah. So uh, my gratitude crank up actually is sort of tangentially related to yours. Uh, that wasn't my gratitude crank up. That was my inspiration station. Oh, that's amazing. In yeah. my mind, I was connecting them and I'd already moved forward. I love it. That's great. Do you have anything more to say about no, that? Well, should it. we just segue into gratitude Let's crank up? Let's do that. I love it. Okay, so <laughs> related to what you just said in your inspiration station oh, section. Oh, yes. Okay, that was a very smooth segue. I know, like, it was really yeah, good. Speaking good. of segues, that's actually a good way to do a segue <laughs> if you don't have any other one in mind. You just say, speaking of segues, you move forward. Yeah. Uh, I'm grateful today for things going well. So this is two part. Mm. The part one mm. is I'm grateful. Mm. Uh, things are going well right now. Everything just seems focused. We're, uh, we're firing on all cylinders like I alluded to earlier. Yeah. And we're being productive and we're moving our ball down the court and that's good. Mm. Also, and mainly, mm. what I'm grateful for is that I don't have a grasping feeling about it. Mm. I mm. really am just feeling very centered in the middle of everything that's mm. going on, like just kind of grounded. Mm. There's definitely some good energy around our work right now, mm. but it doesn't feel like 
it could create a future sense of scarcity mm, for me. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I don't have that foreboding joy, worry that this thing that is filling me up right now might go away and leave yeah, me empty. Like it's, it's-, it's not filling me up. Like mm. I'm just feeling full because I'm grounded and centered in my life and in the work that we're doing right yeah. now, mm-hmm. you know? And also there is good stuff currently happening. There may be a future point at which there isn't. Or right. <laughs> like, cause it tends to come in waves, right? Yeah. It's not usually like a constant permanent flood of everything is good. Usually it's like, there's a little rush of good stuff and then there's a lull and there's more and there's a lull, you know? Sure. Uh, All of it's out of your control. Oh, 100%, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, but like, I'm just enjoying the process, you know, cool. just happy to be here. Um, and I'm grateful for that today. That's awesome. Okay, so how about you? What are you grateful for today? I am grateful for learning and growth in my life mm. and for the teachers who help me to learn and grow. Mm. Uh, the teachers being actual people uh-huh. that I study from and learn from and also just circumstances, so sort of the, the things that the universe places in my path to yeah. help me learn and grow through things. I'm, yeah. I'm really feeling grateful for that work. So... I yeah. love it. Yeah. Well, that is pretty good. Yes. And we're grateful also for you, dear listeners. Mm-hmm. Thank you for spending some of your time with us today. Uh, if you are listening and you are already a supporter of Misfit Stars, thank you. You're the best. Thank you. You're the, the literal best in the entire world. Love you. Love you so much. If you are listening and you're like, Misfit Stars, supporter, what's that? Uh, Misfit Stars is the community of people who contributes a small dollar monthly financial contribution to this little operation we have going here. We just gave it a little name, right? Yeah. Because things are more fun when they have little names. It's a fun name. So the people who support our work, we just call them Misfit Stars. Yes. That's all. So you are, when you sign up to support us via Misfit Stars, you're supporting this podcast. Yep. You're supporting the creative work that we do. Yep. Uh, This album that we've been talking about and that we just put out in the world is the result of the financial support we get from Misfit Stars. Yep. Uh, So, you know, that's... You're supporting a bunch of stuff that I do. Yes. You're supporting mentorship. I spent a bunch of time just this week mentoring a couple of people, specifically one uh, young woman who is, uh, to make a little tie back to something we were talking about much earlier in this episode, Mm. she's just emerging from a debilitating bout of long COVID. She's Mm. getting back in the music game. We know her because she's an amazing musician, Mm. songwriter, singer. Mm -hmm. She couldn't make music for over a year because of long COVID. Yeah. But... She turned a corner. She's finally able to start doing it. And she actually got asked to submit a song to a Ukraine relief fund, like fundraiser, like benefit album. Awesome. And like she recorded it and mixed it and mastered it herself. And I mentored her through the process. That's so cool. I literally didn't touch the audio at any time. I just taught her how to do it herself. That is literally funded directly by the support that we mm. get from the people who support our work. That's right. Also this week, I was working on doing some mastering. Uh, we have a person in our orbit. He's got like this sort of de- debilitating health condition that is, is putting a time limit on how much longer he'll be able to physically play guitar. And so I am just mastering a bunch of stuff for him. And... I am able to do that at a dramatically discounted rate for him because of the support that I am getting from Uh, Misfit Stars, right? Making it easier for him to get more stuff out into the world. And again, directly because we get some support from the people who believe in what we're doing. This is part of what you believe in. Amazing. If you want to be a supporter, please go to misfitstars.com slash support. Uh, support levels start at five bucks a month. The average is ten bucks a month. Uh, like if you literally just divide the support by the number of people, it's right around ten. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know, it's a choose your own adventure. Every level is the same. It's just about how do you want to support the work we're doing. That's and it. We're grateful for every single contribution. So thank you. Misfitstars.com slash support. Thanks. Uh, we'll be back next week. Can't wait. We hope to see you in a metaphorical sense then. Yeah. <laughs> but until then, take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love y'all. Bye. Bye.